Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are on this wonderful planet of ours. Welcome back to the Same Old Arsenal podcast. This is a preview show with a slight difference because obviously we play West Ham on Sunday at the London Stadium and we've actually got a West Ham fan on. But not only is he a West Ham fan, he is our own Declan Rice's youth team coach, son of ex West Ham defender who I met on holiday, which I tell every time I see Anne, his dad, Tony Gow. Welcome back, Anthony, to the show. Hello, how are you doing? You okay? Hi, Amanda. Hi, Chris. Hi, Al. Hello. We've already got the fans in the chat room, mate. What's going on? Yeah, I, mean, I know. It's all about you tonight, Anne. Um, all I about you. you. I, I love you too, Ella. I just saw that message. How are you doing? <laughs> nice to see you. Right, we're going to get into Declan Rice, of course, because this is like the Declan Rice loving week in, week out, even when you're not here, Ant. Um, welcome back to my podcast brother from another mother, young Christopher. How are you? I'm all right. I'm, uh, I think the basking of the Liverpool uh, result is just starting to sort of peak. It's peaked already. And so I'm just kind of getting into the now start to get terrified about West Ham away mode because, you know, we haven't won there. We haven't beaten them in three games. So... I'm sure uh, Ant's going to tell me that uh, we've got nothing to worry about. <laughs> That's not how I work. <laughs> oh, me. But no over-celebrating, young man. We are no. not allowed to smile, take pictures, do anything, because it's the Arsenal. And I'd also like to welcome to the show, I love him, and a lot of people on Twitter... Well, how's the what can I put? Insult you, Alan, or debate with you? Alan Algar, welcome to the show. It's great to be with you. Uh, well, look, no, a lot of people on Twitter just get things wrong and I have to correct them. That's that's <laughs> it. That's simply it. No, um, that, my interactions are, are much more polite these days. So uh, uh, there's no controversies, no Wenger in, Wenger out, none of that rubbish. Just good, good old-fashioned Arsenal debate and... 
we've won three on the trots and nobody wants to argue, surely. No, we don't want to argue. Well, we'd like to argue with Jamie Carragher, Gary Neville and Christopher Sutton. And for those that don't know why I'm saying Christopher Sutton, we'll talk about that in a moment. But um, do you know what? It's it's so interesting, Anne. Weirdly, I'm more, <laughs> I'm very nervous about playing your team on Sunday. It's felt a little bit like you've had the upper hand over us. I don't know if I'm imagining this, but you've beaten us a couple of times, which, to be fair, I'm not really used to, if I'm honest. West Ham have never really been our bogey side. But what's your thoughts on Sunday's game? I mean, it's uh, you don't know quite where to start. I say, uh, I just saw Andrew Southern's comment there. I just want to say hello to Andrew as well. Yeah. He's a good oh, hello, everybody in the chat room. Sorry, <laughs> Anne. Sorry. And also, know, let me just say something. Hello. Any questions you've got for Anne or Alan, please get them in now. We'll star them because my admin next to me is now admin today. <laughs> but hello, Christopher. Um, <laughs> we're going to definitely be asking Anne and Alan any questions later. So hello, everybody in the chat room and hello, everyone on audio. There we go. I've done my introductions. So, I mean, I, I know we've we've obviously had the upper hand and, and won the first the first two games, but it's um I was actually speaking to Al, Al about this the last couple of days. You know, it's um without without Paqueta, which it looks extremely likely um for the game at the weekend, I think we're gonna we're gonna find we're gonna find it difficult to to carve open Arsenal. Um I mean if if you look at the way that we play, we obviously play a, a low block. Arsenal will have a, a lot of possession. Um, and I have to credit that, you know, ourselves, West Ham, the way we defended the first couple of games because it's been absolutely exceptional. But what when we do get the ball back and, and when we get it back in possession, it is so key that we have the right ball players in possession. And Paqueta is, is such a massive part of that when he gets in possession to, to find the likes of Bowen and Kudus because... Um, Without that, I think we're going to find a, a lot of the game being played in our half. And I think when you're going to have that sustained pressure over such long periods, I think without that outlet and that quality of Paqueta, I think it's, um, without saying it's too negative, I, 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 I fear the worst for us at the weekend. Um, Alan, do you agree? Because, I mean, not that you've got a foot in both camps. You are a gooner, I know that, but you have quite... Big connections at West Ham, don't you? Yeah, I probably um, I probably watched them as much as I probably watched them live as much as I do Arsenal and through my job. So, um, Anstead, right? Uh, Paqueta. I mean, Anthony says they struggle without Paqueta. Well, I can I can tell him now. Five Premier League games this season where Paqueta hasn't hasn't played, and they haven't won one of them. So. That's a big, big stat going into this weekend. They've, they've I'm glad you backed that because I, I didn't teams. know that stat out, to be honest. Yeah. So, um, look, they've got a 0% win rate with uh, without Paqueta in the team. In fact, he's missed eight this season. And the only one they managed to win was a League Cup game away at Lincoln. And that was a narrow 1-0 victory. So, you're looking at a team that massively rely on Paqueta. Massively. And the, the thing about it is... He doesn't just make the team tick. He makes certain players tick around him. So without Paqueta, Kudos doesn't play too well. Without Paqueta, Bowen doesn't play as well because they're all picking up the little elements of the game that he covers. And there's no creativity there. Um, 
they really struggled at, at, at United at the weekend. In fact, some of their interplay at United, this will sound bizarre, a 3-0 defeat was actually better than when they won at the Emirates. Some of their interplay, but they just didn't have that final third ball with Paqueta. So um, that on top of the fact that there aren't many big finishers in the, in the, in the, in the team, you know, you've got Bowen, who is a fantastic, fantastic mm-hmm. forward, but he's a, he's a one in every two and a half games guy, which I think is great by the way. And, and that's not, that's not what he's there for. But you can't then put him up front and say, right, go and score two, three against Arsenal. And this this little run that we're on against West Ham, the game last season where Deck was man of the match, hauling them back in to draw against us and and kill our title chances. Then the League Cup game when we were there and, and we just didn't click that day. And there was the element of, of Deck going back. And I remember saying back then, I think it's good that he's gone back and just got that out of the way in that 20, 30 minutes that he came on in that game. I think that that is actually a a, a big positive that he's gone and he's faced the crowd. So this weekend, he knows what it's going to be like. But the game around Christmas, 30-odd shots, but none of them were of much quality at all. And it looked like we dominated on the stats. But in reality, they had their third and fourth choice centre-backs there, Mavropanos and Ogbonna. And they were untroubled the whole game. Now, at the weekend, uh, I mean, Zuma's going to be back. He was carrying little knocks here and there, and he doesn't tend to play two games on the drop. I think he will. Uh, I don't know who's going to partner him. They They went with five at the back at the weekend. We'll actually push Johnson into the midfield against Man United. So, and Johnson actually had a, a decent game, but he's, he's usually playing right back. Kafal played just behind him. Emerson... Left wing back, left back, he gets forward. He's a threat. But you've got Agurd and Zuma at the back at the weekend. They conceded three. So I think Ogbonner or Mavropanos, one of them is probably going to come in. I don't know which one. Um, But they're solid, they're organised, but they haven't got that threat. And we really should be taking them to task at the weekend because we owe them one. We owe them one. Okay, so with all that in mind, Dan, how do you think you're going to set up are you going to sit behind the ball? Are you going to low block us? Are you going to just catch us up? What are you going to do? Because we don't sorry like laugh, a low block. Yeah, we don't. So, so, sorry to laugh, but, I'm, you know, I think I, I laugh because, you know, I can see Chris smirking as well and Al's going to know what's coming. I, I know the way we, I know the way we're going to play. And, you know, look, I, you can't doubt David Moyes, the success that he's had over the last two seasons. Look, he's been fantastic with... We got a European trophy last year. Obviously, we're still in Europa Cup, you know, the position that we've got. But what you're starting to find now is those narrow wins over Burnley, where we beat them 2 1 and Luton 2 1. You know, the, those narrow wins are going to become draws and they're going to start to become losses. You know, it's, um, and that's not in a, in a negative way and that's not a negative frame of mind. It's just realism when you play that, that type of football. You know, we'll sit in a low block, we'll play with a back five. And we very much be dependent and reliant on on the mistakes. You know, your only downfall will be your only your own mistakes as a team. Which, you know, and and if you actually look at that, you know, the chances that you're creating and going to Arsenal, you create a lot of chances, but your conversion rate. If you had a a Haaland or 
you know, the, the instinctiveness in that final third of, of what Liverpool have, I think Arsenal would be sitting maybe six, seven, eight mm. points clear at this time of the season, if we've got to be entirely honest, because you're creating... I'd love to see the stat, and we, we go we go to our in a minute, because I'm sure we'll be clued up with it, but the chances you're actually creating, uh, I, I would guess, without, you know, Al told me the stat about Paquetta earlier, which, you know, I can only tell you from watching it with footballing eyes, what I see, I can't back it up with any statistics but also you know you, you take your, your game against Liverpool at the weekend where I thought you're extremely dominant you know Liverpool go up the other end and they make it one all so it, it's um they don't it, make it, it one all and they don't make it one all we do they did nothing honestly yeah. and yeah. we they didn't even score I, you know I understand what you're saying um but they didn't make it one all let me just uh let me just get that right <laughs> we scored well, that, that. With, with 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 you saying that, you know, and that goes on to my next point, you know, with you, that's one thing that West Ham this season, you know, if you go and look at all the games, you know, teams will feel that they're dominant. They've had a lot of the ball, but Paquetta will find a pass. It will go out to Kudus. It'll do a little bit of magic. It'll go into bow and there's a goal. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you can find a way of nullifying Kudus at the weekend and having your best defender up against him, you know, we'll find it very hard to create chances. I know that left side, that you got for Arsenal at the moment, it's been chopping and changing. But if you if you really get your left side right against us and nullify Kudus, I think we'll find it very, very hard to score goals against you at the weekend. And again, it will be down to y- your own downfall in giving us something because you're going to have so much of the ball. It's just going to be what you create and what those players in the final third can find to punish us. Yeah. So, Chris, you know really interesting. I'll go, um, go <laughs> Um, I didn't know Paqueta was injured, so I went on beforehand. This is my uh, uh, ignorance of Brazilian names. I went on to PremierLeagueInjuries.com and I saw Lucas Tolentino Coelho de Lima uh, out, is out <laughs> injured. And I was like, oh, I've never heard of him. He's really not going to have any <laughs> And now I realise that Paqueta's out and I'm like, oh, that's a bit of a touch. That's all right. Um, you know what's really, really interesting on the stats thing? Um, it's actually also, for me, the defence and the fact that we've been so strong defensively that's quite interesting. I'm sure it's an Albino stat that I read either today or yesterday, which was that we've conceded something like 62 attempts or shots on goal um, this season in the Premier League. If you divide that by 22, we're basically just under three attempts per game, I think that works out as. Now, that's phenomenal. Yeah, it, it, it really is, but... In a bizarre way, we're actually top of actual unforced errors, especially yeah. as we saw at the weekend. So in a really weird way, the stuff that should be a little bit easier to cut out, like the calamity at the weekend, if we actually got rid of that, it would look even better. And as Ant said, if you then couple that with the fact that we're not scoring the amount of chances that we should be scoring from. I think we're, and it's another Albino stacks, he, he gets it through Opta and the expected goals. We're running at about 10 goals behind where we should for the type of chances we've been creating as well. Wow. So two things that should be, well, I think the defending side is easier to tweak than finding that finisher that's going to, you know, put those chances away. And, you know, we'd all love a Haaland. We're not going to get a Haaland. There was loads of debate now that the January transfer window is closed as to whether we were going to uh, dip our toe in the water with, with the uh, transfer window. It's not Ivan Tony. There are good sources saying it will be in the summer. Is he that man to 
to actually finish those chances. And if he is, there's another sort of missing piece type signing. I, I'm not wholly convinced myself and a lot will have to happen between now and then. Um, but um, I mean, as, as Carl says there in the chat, 48.8. So we're, we're running about 10 behind in terms of goals. So, uh, I mean, that is a big thing. And that means that 10 times we've had chances to finish um, and, and should have done. And Can we just go back out those on other something girls. you just said? Right. First of all, I don't really get this XG. I think the only stat that counts is the goals. I don't even know what it means. And I, as I've just reiterated to you on before we came on air, I was listening to your podcast with Boyd and Josh on Football Tastically Arsenal, which I love. Big shout out for them. Um, you spoke about the XG and I was trying to understand it. What you're saying is it's chances missed. Is that what you're saying? I don't know. No, no. It's, it's every, every single chance is given a rating out of... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Uh, 1.0. So effectively, Amanda, if you were standing on the line and I put the ball on the line and said, you just got to tap it over the line, that would count as one because like, as in you're not going to miss it. Okay, so That would be one on XG because it's it's completely unmissable. All right. Now, a lot of the chances we actually had against West Ham were in the 0 0.05, 0 0.10. So there was only maybe a a 10% chance of scoring, a 5% chance of scoring. So each each chance that you have in the game is ranked by a percentage chance of you scoring from there. So, yeah, through one-on-one -on -one with a keeper, you'd expect to score that maybe sort of one in every three. So you would get 0.33 for that. So who it all stacks it, up. Al? Who, who ranks it? Well, it's, it's, um, it's a formula that was actually started by the Brighton owner, Tony Bloom, and it was to assist him with his gambling back in the day. Um, he he used it to assist him with his gambling, but he also realised it would assist him with finding players. And that's why Brighton's recruitment is so good, because they yeah. look at the stats. Now, one thing I would say is you do get a lot of people at the end of one game, see the XG and say, well, the only thing that matters, and I totally agree with this, is whether you've scored or not and what yeah. the actual score is, not the XG. XG isn't really for that. What it's for is 
over a group of games, you can say, oh, we're just slightly underperforming or we're slightly overperforming. Or if you come out of a stadium and said, do you know what? I think we've been really unlucky today. You can then read it in XG and say, yeah, XG saying we should have won 3-1, but actually we were really unlucky today. So there's a bit of bad finishing, good finishing within there, but it's based on an average finisher in that league. But when did all this XG come in? Well, I mean, Tony Bloom, the the Brighton owner, has been using it for for about two decades, probably more. Um, It then became uh, a qualified stat that that professional gamblers were using. And then the club started using it as well. And the clubs realised that it was a good way of, of highlighting individual players. What's happened since then is that the analytics has moved on beyond that. So the professional gamblers are not even using XG anymore. They're using things like overlaps. They're they're using different things that players do on the pitch in terms of creating chances. So the stats have got much more advanced than XG. Intricate, yeah, uh, than XG. But XG is a decent way of just saying, look, we're unlucky today. XG said we should have won 3-1. We lost 1-0. Um, but if you miss it, there are people that misunderstand it quite a bit. And that's what I think I was trying to explain to Jeff, uh, not to Jeff, to Boyd and to uh, Boyd and to Josh. Josh. And um, one of the things that you can't misunderstand with it is if you have lots of low quality chances, it might add up to three. But the fact you had loads of low quality chances in there still means there's half decent chance that you'll end up with zero like we did against West Ham in the Emirates game because the chances aren't good enough to add up. So they accumulate. So 10, 10, 10% chances doesn't necessarily mean you're definitely going to get one goal out of it, okay. as we found out against West Ham. I, I um, it's, it's quite interesting, the, the XG, because um, I, I used it myself uh, at non-league level when I managed because we used to play a certain type of football, a certain style of football of which... you you created chances and having to justify that to a board in the respect when you're trying to get longevity in your job and you're trying to bring in a new style of play or implement a new style of play. Like let's take for instance, Russell Martin, Russell Martin of Southampton, I think struggled to win his first five, six games, but they're playing a fantastic style of football over at Southampton and they're what 25 unbeaten now. But if you looked at their XG and you took the statistics from those first five, six games, the chances they create in and they weren't, capitalising on them from the style and the methodology of play and that process and that philosophy. You know, Graham Potter was the same at at Brighton. When you're trying to implement something new, it's good when you've got the statistics, Amanda, behind it to to Mm. sometimes prove it to to the uneducated Mm. eye because sometimes, Mm. you know, it's not saying people, you know, it's about educating people because people in football now are from different walks of life they're from different industries that invest money that look to you know they're business people so when you've got the people at the high end of the the spectrum if you like look well actually we're getting into these areas we're doing this if you allow us x amount of time we're creating this this will actually happen and you've yeah. got the stats to do it and then it drops like this look southampton they're, they're sitting in second place in the efl now and they look like they're going to get automatic promotion but if you would have not looked at those statistics and just sacked him for not winning his first five, six games, where would Southampton be now? I think they'd be yeah. in the Premier League next year. Well the, the other one the other one is the other one is Pochettino um at Chelsea. I know they've they've had their troubles. I know they they won 
against Aston Villa uh, in the cup to to sort of ease that a little bit. But at the start of the season, when they were going through bad form and they've been through bad form at the start of this year as well, um, they are winning a hell of a lot of their games on XG, which will, as Anthony said, be a thing for him to take to the board and say, we're being unlucky in games. My method's right. We're creating the right chances. We're just not putting them away. When it all clicks, I think we'll be all right. Um, and, and that's another thing that you can have in your arsenal. But it's not really to be misinterpreted in a one-game scenario because you get some weird uh, things that go on. And I think that happened yeah. with the West Ham game. A lot of lot of our content creators in the uh, in the US were uh, misusing the stats against West Ham because we just didn't have any really good chances against West Ham in that first game. But well, the one that we, we had like thirty weekend. chances, we didn't have one yep. decent one. Well. 25 of them ranked as sort of almost impossible to score, like as in right. me and Ant could be next to each other at the back and probably defended as well as Mavropanos and Ogbonna, you know, long yeah. shots that go into the keeper's hands from, yeah. from so miles maybe, away. Maybe, maybe you, know, you was... not me. <laughs> I just but, want to go um, so back. I've seen you play, Al. you got more about you than me. <laughs> thank you, mate. Well, if it's come from you, if it's come from you, thank you. That's an honour. We're going to get on. I had, to you know, I had this conversation. I had this conversation over Christmas. My nephew, who's uh, I think he's in the Ipswich, who's kind of godson, he's in the Ipswich Academy. Um, he's a teenager, and he's like, "Oh, this XG is a load of rubbish." Well, you know, it's all about goals. And I tried to explain to him that, all right, I'll give you the ball at thirty-five yards, and you can have thirty-five. You can have ten shots, um, or you can have two penalties. What are you going for? He goes, well, I have two penalty attempts. And I went, and that's what XG is all about, mate. But um, That's a good way of explaining it, yeah. yeah. Um, can I just ask, just going off subject, you mentioned the transfer window. Does anyone think that the winter transfer window is dead? Hmm? Wait, yeah. wait, I, I, did anyone sign anyone? I'm not Arsenal because we did. Yeah, there was £100 million pounds worth of money spent. So. Well, that, well, that could yeah. have just been one player. But... Yeah, Tot Tottenham got a bit of business done early, didn't they? Um, Timo Werner and um, forget who else they brought in. Um, but no, there wasn't the, the same kind of activity there usually is at that time. Um, and you know, normally heard... on the last day, we have like all this excitement up yeah. to 11 o'clock. I didn't even know it was a, what day it was and if it was over. I mean, that's I've heard much... a lot. I've heard a lot of experts say exactly what Mark's just put in the chat. Yeah. Um, FFP so. killed it. People are... are tightening the purse strings and waiting to see what's happening um there's also do you know what there's also a lot of clubs that are sort of where they'd expect to be and what i mean by that is they've seen the low quality of the the two teams at the bottom burnley and sheffield united um i firmly hope luton can drag themselves away and they're doing that at the moment because uh you know i like the people there and i think it's a great story but i think a lot of clubs in that mid table feel and and I've I've spoken to a couple of people at clubs um, at a conference this week, uh, two mid-table clubs, and they're genuinely saying that 32, 33, possibly 34 will be the, the figure this year that keeps you up. So nobody's panicking in that no. mid mid part of the table. Um, they're looking upwards rather than down, and I think it will make it for a good end of the season. But I think FFP is definitely it. The Saudis didn't come and throw money around because I think – the Henderson thing has made a few players think, do I really want to go there? But I think we'll see it ramp up again in the summer. I don't think, I, I think it's a temporary thing. So interesting, all of that, Anthony. For people that don't know, 
because other people might have missed the show. You're a football coach. Yes. And you were our Declan Rice's youth team coach. <coughs> Just give us a little bit of insight. Now, when you were first on, the first thing I said to you was what were we going to get for 105 million quid? The second mm. time you came on, I said, I can see what we're getting for 105 million quid. I think Alan said to you, I think it was the first pod, that he wanted more goals from Declan. And you said Declan would be playing more further forward. I'm just going to give you a little stat. It's not an XG. Um, for West Ham, Declan got four goals last year and two assists in the whole season. For Arsenal at the moment, he's got three goals and two assists. So already yeah. he has improved in that. Um, just tell us a bit about him and what it was like to coach him, what you're up to now and stuff like that for everybody in the chat room and anyone on audio that didn't just hear before, any of those shows. Of those three goals, two of them were winners, Man United and uh, Luton as well. And, and, and I want to talk about Luton, yeah. which is what Alan alluded <laughs> to. Yeah. So, so I coached um, Declan as a, I mean, he was, what was he? He was, must have been seven, eight years of age in, in the uh, pre-academy at Chelsea Football Club where I first got to know him and started to work with him. Um, and he got signed as an, obviously an under nine. Um, and I, I had the pleasure of seeing him grow. Um, I was actually doing the under nines at the time with a coach called uh, Joe Edwards. You know, Joe is now the Millwall first team manager. Um, really good to see him doing so well and really deserves an opportunity. Really, really nice guy. Very well educated and stayed in the system for, for a significant and uh, worked with Frank Lampard as well at Everton and Chelsea. So Joe's done really well. Um, but working with Declan, I mean, you could see it from such, such an early age, the, the quality possessed. Um, the attitude that, that he had. Um, but but the biggest thing for me was just how much he loved the game of football. I mean, I, I saw with his dad and his, his brother, actually, um, earlier, because I, I now coach his, his, uh, his nephew, Jackson, and uh, mm -hmm. also his other nep uh, nephew, Blake. Jackson's six um, and Blake's ten. Blake's Can we sign them now? <laughs> <laughs> well, they, we'll have them all. They've certainly both got ability. I mean, um, his brother Connor, they're, they're his boys. And uh, Jackson's six, uh, left-footed. And Blake's uh, 10 years of age and he, he's right-footed. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's so nice because you, you're you're now, you know, Sean, who's experienced that as a father and seen Declan grow, now looks to, you know, can see his grandsons now. And, you know, I could see Sean watching Jackson earlier and watching him train and, uh, you know, just the enjoyment that, that he has for the game when he's in and out of poles, in and out of cones, and you know the the smile on on Sean's face. It just it just brought me back to my childhood. I remember when you know I, I went into Arsenal on trial, and um, my dad and my granddad drove me, um, and we we're playing Charlton, and I actually scored. I scored two goals that day. We won six two, and uh, I, I'll never forget my granddad's face that day and my dad's face because he paid. That was probably one of the only compliments he's ever paid me after that game. So uh, I was thirteen. <laughs> Al knows him well. <laughs> so, um, but you know that that whole process of, you know, when you, you know you see the next generation and that next generation grow, it's it's just that it's a real sort of honour and pleasure for me to be working with both his nephews now and having worked with Declan at that age. And then um, Declan are they to similar to Declan at that age? 
I think the the enjoyment and love for the game most definitely. I mean, they're just such a you know they're both so young at the moment. Where especially Jackson, who's six. I mean, it, you know, if you think Declan was seven eight when he first started working, I me mean, Jackson six. You know, Blake's wow. uh, Blake's ten. Um, Blake's currently just getting back from an injury, so he's going to be coming back to do some work with me soon, which I'm I'm looking forward to. Blake's a, a centre back, and Jackson's a striker. So um, there's a little bit of difference between the two, um, but definitely two names to look out for. But, you know, De- Deck um, had the pleasure of doing his one-to-one work um, just before he broke into the first team at, uh, at West Ham. And he was currently then actually with the Republic of Ireland. Um, he'd had, he played a couple of friendlies with him and I worked with him during that time when, you know, he, he made that transition over to the to the England team and, um, you know, just, just in the off-season, I'd do my work with him. But it was just nice to keep close with him. And he always knew with myself that it was someone trustworthy to talk to and, and speak yeah. to and, and and work with. It's I think as a coach, it's so important. You know, we there's a lot of coaches that can just coach um, and deliver a session and work with players. But it's trying to work with players on that psychological level and getting that trust. You know, I, I work with Alan's boy, um, Matthew. You know, myself and Matthew have a very similar relationship where, you know, we're looking to get Matthew into senior football at the moment. And he's he's got a lot of ability, but he's trying to find someone to give him that chance. And, you know, myself and Matthew and Alan have that relationship of trust where, where we work together in trying to get him to achieve those goals. And that's what I had with Declan and I still have with Declan and what I've now got with his nephews. I mean, I saw Declan the day after his goal, actually, against um, when he scored the winner. Um, what, Luton against, or United? Uh, L- Luton. So uh, I actually went to collect a few signed shirts off him. And um, when I went to collect some shirts off him and catch up with him. My, he, he my Christmas presents that I bought. <laughs> <laughs> but he, um, you know, when just, just when he comes out, I still see I still see that boy in him. I still see that kid in him that, you know, he, obviously he's a man. But he, he just, he just the, the best thing I can say to you, like Amanda, Chris, Al, he just loves football. He yeah, loves football. Tell. He enjoys football. He, he wants to be better. You know, he loves playing under Arteta. And, you know, when, when a manager's got that that much energy for the game and passion on the side, like I've seen Arteta this season, where, you know, games might not have been going quite right for you, but his energy and enthusiasm on the side, he gets his players at it, he gets the fans at it. And, and that infectiousness, you know, you can see Declan thrives on it. And, and his game, his general game this season... Uh, with Arsenal wow. playing with better players, and I'd say with, I'd say, I've got to be very careful with my word use here because I don't want to ever talk down about anyone within their professionalism. But I think it's just the right management team and the right people to take Declan now to the next level in his career. Does he know, and does he know how much he's loved by Arsenal fans? He's, he's loved by everyone, Amanda. To be honest, I, I don't know one person that's met Declan that doesn't like him because no, he's, I know, he's, and he's I, so I can, well loved and liked I can see and that infectious. But, you but know, he's been here like five minutes, and he was he's, he was at West Ham a long time. He's loved instantly. We've on this show alone, we must speak about him on every single podcast, Chris, don't we? We have a we have this moment where we just talk about Declan because what he gives us, he has got that love. You can see it all over him. He just wants to play. He wants to win. He's a winner. He's definitely a winner. And when he scored against, I mean, I the the goal I enjoyed most was against Luton. If you had to choose against that or against United, I loved that against Luton. 
I love the loot manager as well. And I'd like them to stay up for what that loot manager is the only one that I think that has supported Arteta because they tried to crucify him. For some reason, the media are trying to crucify Arteta. Um, but he stood up for him and said, if my player scored in the last minute, I'd want to run on the pitch. He said, you know, and and I think the enthusiasm and the energy Declan brings, he was absolutely outstanding on Sunday. Absolutely outstanding. However, weirdly, and Alan will attest to this because he said this on the pod, he's had a couple of quiet games and they were against West Ham. So I just wonder, and I know Alan, I'm not copying you, Alan, because I've listened to your pod. I was thinking this, maybe because it, the whole occasion got to him. You know, it, you know they want to do well. I remember, um, not that Erdegaard played for Spurs, but the day we played Spurs, Erdegaard was all over the place because his um, enthusiasm just took over. He just, he just couldn't cope. And I'm wondering if that's a little bit like with Declan. He just wants to prove to them, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I've got quite... I mean, I live in a West Ham area. I'm surrounded by West Ham all the time. And the sensible West Ham fans wish him luck. Absolutely. But the non-sensible West Ham fans hate him for coming to us because it's the London thing and they don't think we're a big club. They don't think we're a bigger club than West Ham, bless them. But he is so adored wherever I go. And as you know, I often say to my West Ham working colleagues regularly, thank you for Declan Rice because we just absolutely love him. He, he actually, if you look at his performances, I mean, last season, it was quite interesting because you, you, you heard so many times West Ham were a one-man team last year, didn't you? You heard it yeah. so many times with the the man-in-the-match performances that he put in. I mean, if you, if you look at how many man-in-the-matches he's won this year for Arsenal alone already at this stage of the season, you know, and, and also the ones he hasn't been awarded, which I think a lot of Arsenal fans would acknowledge the fact that he, he could have potentially won more man-in-the-matches with what, you know, with what he contributes and what he gives to the team. I mean... You take that energy, for instance, that infectious energy, you know, you go into a workplace, right, and you go and sit at your desk and you go and sit next to that person at your desk on a daily basis and you have a cup of coffee and they're sitting there, they're miserable. They're like this, oh, another day. <laughs> oh, God, I've got to pay this bill. Oh, do you know what? This happened at home. Oh, you don't, or you go to work and you sit next to that guy. Hey, doing? You are right? How's your day going? Yeah, you feeling good? Yeah. How are you? Yeah, brilliant. That's Declan in the changing room and that's Declan in life. So when you go to work and you have that type of infectiousness and that type of energy around you, it lifts you. And that's something that I always try and do with my coaching because I find that there's so many people that always, you know, every day we wake up, every day we breathe air, we're blessed. We're yeah. blessed when we wake up every day. And, you know, and I, I genuinely believe that. And, and with Declan, he's exactly the same. And when you bring that into a changing room with that type of energy that type of quality, you know, he's, you know, you'd say at the moment in the world that the two at the best at what they do in the world are Declan Rice and Rodri, which I think if you look at those two players, um, they're the two, they're the two best in the world. And it's, it's a big, it's a big thing to say, but I think even statistically, you could look at it, you could look at it by the, the educated eye, but I think they'd walk into any team in the world with what they do, those two players. Um, and, and that's the player that you've got at the moment with an Arsenal shirt that that enjoys wearing the Arsenal shirt and that gives you 100% in the Arsenal shirt. And, you know, any West Ham fan that turns around and would ever say anything derogatory about him, 
I, I you know, to, to be quite honest, I haven't heard anything bad said about Declan since she's left West Ham because the people that I keep company with and the yeah. people that speak about West Ham are, uh, uh, very, very complimentary about him, and, and also the reception he got, for, you know, in the first game was also a, a a very positive one because what he gave that club from a youngster to the time that he left, he left an European trophy, no one can do anything other than credit him. And you know, I think as an as a West Ham fan, of course you want to turn around and say you're the biggest side in London, but also you have to have that realism. You are where you are for a reason, Arsenal Football Club. You're competing for a Premier League. Are West Ham going to compete for a Premier League? We'll be very fortunate to finish in the top ten this season, and that and that's and and I know we're sitting in seventh, but a top ten finish would be brilliant and a good finish in Europe with the squad that we've got and the players that we've got. It'd be it'd be good for David Moyes. So it's been a great move for him. He's playing ever so well. He's now moving to a club like yourselves. He's now being recognised for the top top world class player that he is. Lovely. Can I ask a question? I couldn't be on any better. So I I thought I went to, I went to the uh, League Cup game and I thought there was a pocket of West Ham fans that booed him, but I think they got drowned out. There was, the... there was. They got yeah. drowned out. They were near. Yeah. They were near me. Yeah. They were near me. Um, I was in the. I was actually in the home end um, or in the home section. But yeah, they got shouted down. But remember, Ant is not on social yeah. media, so he does not see it or hear it. He's only on LinkedIn, isn't he? So I'm talking about in yeah. the ground. So I was literally. Yeah, but there was, and there was a few. A bit, I think. I think there are a few, aren't there? Of course, there are. I mean, listen, people get hurt when players leave clubs, and he did. He mm. was West Ham. I was at the game when when he took the ball off party and came running towards us, and then scored and that was two all and that was the end of it he took the ball off party that the sort of player he is but we just just absolutely love him i mean i just i can't actually recall about him anymore even when he has a quiet game we go oh he was a bit quiet today not bad just a bit quieter you know he can't he can't play fantastically well for 38 mm. games um, yeah. And and he must be loving playing in the Champions League as well. And I think what we noticed at the beginning was when he was singing North London Forever, he was like looking around the ground, singing it and stuff like that. And the, just the excitement of, of of being there, I suppose, for him. And I think you're right. I think he's playing under a manager that he plays well, he respects as well. And, and I just want to get to Arteta because it will bring us nicely in. So, as I alluded to... Um, Alan was on the pod on Monday evening or whatever. No, it was on Sunday, wasn't it? Um, and I listened to this pod tonight. And virtually towards the end, Alan, I was agreeing with everything. And then up pipes talking about Mikel Arteta and the press and outside rival fans do not like Arteta. A, I don't care about rival fans anyway. But, but Boyd said, and a lot of Arsenal fans didn't like him and don't like him. Hmm. Alan, yeah. come on! What I've never—I well, don't. There's a few on social media. They're idiots, obviously. Yeah, I agree. Them. I agree. I agree. Um, you didn't say it. Boyd said it, and I was like, "Really? Yeah. People, Arsenal fans, don't like do him. Know, do know, don't like do his know, passion. Do... Even Anne alluded to his passion. That what he gives to our club. I think he's no, absolutely I agree. brilliant. I love him. I agree with you. I think, I think the context of Boyd's comment was to do with his personality as in, I love his personality no 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 I, I know but he won't be the personality type for everyone 
And whereas he, I think Boyd has said in the past, he feels that there are a lot of Arsenal fans that like the job Arteta's doing, but maybe don't like don't like the personality of someone like Arteta. But the way I corrected that was, I don't think we knew his personality until we saw the Amazon show and we saw the on and off side of him. He was a very serious player back in the day. And I think that is a good quality, by the way. But you didn't really see the other side of him. And I think the Amazon show was perfect in terms of his own PR and, and what he brought to the club. And obviously, what came out of that was last season. And then obviously, you know, what, what's happening this season. So we, that's been shown and we're now contenders again. And I'm not saying that's related in any way, but I feel that everyone's had their chance to get used to the kind of guy that he is and knowing that there is there are levels to him than the you know straight head and uh, serious player that he used to be. So I think I think Boyd was attesting to personality rather than performance I, as a and manager. And I get that. And you did mention they did mention Amazon, and I think loads of people from the Amazon documentary mm. fell in love with him, maybe more. Mm. I always loved him. And now, talking about what happened on Sunday, the over celebrating, as everyone knows, Stuart, the photographer, has been on this show twice and mm. absolutely uh, is in love with Arteta. So I think listening to him, I, I already I loved Arteta and his personality. Everyone's different, of course. You don't have to love your manager's personality. You just have to love what he's doing. A lot of people in the 80s, Alan, wouldn't have loved George Graham and his personality. That's for sure. But what he only did... I was always... I was always scared of him. I've, I've met him so many times, and I remember always being absolutely terrified. Yeah, I get I've that. Got one, I've got one picture with him, and it looks like he's got me in a headlock. <laughs> and, uh, but he's really just like this stern guy. But, um, I mean, he but was I'll... my favourite. But I had that respect, yeah. and I yeah, didn't yeah. have that... Um, and remember, we were a different connection. One of Alan. Sorry, we... I... Uh, we just were while different... I remember this quickly... Go on. Obviously, it wasn't an Amazon doc, but people say one of George Graham's best little bits of where you got a snippet of how much he loved the club, how much he motivated the players and how good he was as a boss is that little bit where he's talking about the teams up north and we just had the points deducted and all the players are sitting around at Colney. And uh, he said, we've got to get the fans on the side a lot, a lot more. And then he, he just, it, that encapsulated him. And Arteta had a whole series worth of it. And I think they're very similar. I really do. I really oh, yeah, think they're, they're similar. They've got a winning mentality, absolutely. Yes. And I think if you didn't have, oh, I don't know how to say this without saying it, but if you didn't have a um, Man City that was owned by whoever they're owned by and the amount of money they have spent over the years, we may have had more, you know, how can I put this, more cups and things. But but what I, what I was saying is, Alan, in the 80s with George Graham, we were a different age. So I was a teenager. So for me, mm. George Graham scared me, absolutely scared yeah. me, like yeah. to the point where he would be like the headmaster of the school and you would be like, mm, you know, and, yeah. and obviously, you know, I'm friends with Kev Campbell and, he, you know, they they respected uh, George Graham, absolutely respected yeah. him. And I think these players respect Mikel. Yeah. And I, My... think, I think what's going to bring everyone even closer together is the fact that these idiot pundits – Jamie Carragher, Gary Neville, what they only did... I mean, obviously, I've ranted about this on Sunday. 
Um, and, and then I saw, then I heard Gunner Blogs ran on Arscast, which is the best thing ever, and you've got to listen to it, and hence why I'm calling him Christopher Sutton, is the fact of we've watched Jurgen Klopp run on the pitch and celebrate. Mikel didn't run on the pitch. He ran down the side and came back again. We've watched that, and I thought, good on you, Jurgen. I've got no problem with it. A manager is celebrating mm. his team doing something. Who? Is, and then Jamie Carragher goes, look, be disciplined, go down the tunnel. You've just beaten the league leaders. We had to win, Anthony, to even have a chance of staying in for the league. And he's I've telling us to, add on, to get on off this. the pitch. He um, needs to get off the bloody pitch and get off <laughs> our screens. I'll tell you. <laughs> with, with, you know, from I can talk from a coach's perspective. When, when you've got a manager that you play under that cares for more than just three points, passion's important. Now, you get a lot of managers that manage... You know, and, and look, the job title is three points and success. It is, you know, because if you don't get it, you know, you, you might get your time, like we spoke about with XG and getting people to understand the process of what you're trying to do, how you're trying to build it. But, you know, there was a time in Arteta, it wasn't going particularly well at the start, right? Then you end up winning the FA Cup, I believe. And then things started to really, really kick off. But he believed in what he was doing. He stuck to his philosophy. He had great tutelage with Pep, where he got to grow and learn and, and, and be educated within the role. But he has a ethos about him and he has this aura about him where he actually cares not just about Declan playing games. He cares about Declan's life, right? Yeah. And he will care about all of his players passionately, not just about producing on the pitch, but actually what's happening with their sons, their daughters, their wives, their grandparents, their mums, their dads, and he'll take an interest in that. Now, you can see that with the passion that Klopp has, that Arteta has, and that Pep has, that they are then type of managers. Because let me tell you, when they say they've got money, they've got this, they've got that, they are the, they're, they're the hardest jobs to have because it's more than just coaching. You're having to manage the human being, manage the person. And Arteta is passionate, and this is why the people love him that work around him, because he takes a keen interest in everyone around the football club, what they do, their job titles, and you could see that in the documentary, and it's not just there for the documentary's fact. It, it is there because that's what he does from day to day. And I can only speak uh, when I've heard Declan talk to me and what he said to me and, and, and the passion and the love that he has for his manager. And, oh, and 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 you can and you can see that by the way that he reacts because he's not just reacting and celebrating because it's three points. He's celebrating because do you know what? Uh, something that he's worked on in training religiously and he's looked at and he's studied with his coaching team and he's gone over time and time again has come off. You know, and and to explain that as a professional myself, if you work on a set piece and it goes in, or you work on trying to prevent a goal in a specific situation. And it happens. It is so rewarding. And it's better than any price or anything in life when, when that player or that team succeeds in doing something that you believe. And he's passionate. And, and do you know what? People, people slate and have a go at what's different in life because they do it because they're scared of it and they fear it himself. Yeah. And it's maybe their own weakness. And, and I, I've seen it my whole life with people because my father, for instance, 
played football. So because my dad played football, people found me an easy target to have a go at because my father played football. And, you know, look at him, look at him this, look at him. Look, you know, and people will always dig at people and find ways at trying to... And they dig at people when you're successful and when you're doing well. And guess yeah. what? Arteta's doing well. Arsenal are playing well. So guess what they're trying to do? They're trying to dig. All, all I'd say to Arteta and his team is stay strong, keep doing what you're doing, keep playing well, keep enjoying winning games, let the fans enjoy the manager, let the manager enjoy the fans, let everyone enjoy each other and go and try and win a title. Because everything else, what other people say, is completely irrelevant. Who cares? <laughs> I love that. Who I cares? wish I could record that bit. <laughs> Good speech. <laughs> but, 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 but who cares? Like, who no, cares exactly. And the say? thing is, who cares? And you know I mean? on Twitter on Monday, I think, I tweeted that I hope if we do beat West Ham, that Arteta goes and grabs Stewart's camera, goes in front of our fan, <laughs> get the players, take a selfie and tag Carragher, yeah. Neville and everybody else. Because the thing is, that's it. That's what it's all about. It's about the passion of winning a game. I mean, look, I'm not a footballer. I've never scored a goal. But I can only imagine that, the you know, the adrenaline, the, everything that goes through you, the excitement, the wonder. We've just Great beaten feeling. Liverpool. We've just yeah. beaten Liverpool and we've beaten them well. We took them to the cleaners. We've, we didn't sneak a 1-0 win. It wasn't a rubbish game. We were outstanding. I'm not being funny. He's run up and down the pitch and 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 Erdogan's taking a picture. Uh, please do me a for this anti-Arsenal celebrating thing. But but all it's done, it will just bring us closer uh, as a as a group. Now the players yes. will want to go out and win even more for us, for their manager and for the Arsenal. So thank you. Very good speech. You're very right. And if anyone's going to listen, they're going to listen to you. Absolutely. Um thank you very much. young Christopher, we must yep. have questions for Anthony and Alan. We do. I'm going to start off with a question from myself, actually. Um, Anthony, but actually also then Alan, because obviously you watch a lot of uh, West Ham. So West Ham last season uh, won themselves a trophy. They're very happy about that. Um, I have a wry smile when they, they sing Champions of Europe. We know what we are. Um, but uh, <laughs> I feel like, and I said this to my brother, and just for full disclosure, when we were just in chatting before we went live, for those of you you listening in uh my most of my family are west ham fans and my brother's a west ham fan and he didn't particularly like the football that boys played um i said to him once that trophy had been won does he get a free pass next season then and my brother said he probably does but that was bearing in mind that was right in the wake of winning that trophy when does that pass run out in your opinion <laughs> not just from your perspective Ant, but also just from west ham fans in general that you speak to has that pass already run out? Is everyone saying, I oh, won us a trophy last year, but we've had enough? I I could not have spoke to a more split bunch of people uh, and fans if you could even try. Like, I've got one person turning around to me saying, I can't stand the style, can't stand the way we play. And then you've got the next one turning around and saying, do you know what, but we're getting results and we're winning games. It's much better. It's a much better feeling to be going into work on a Monday, winning and picking up a point and getting beat. Or, you know, we're going away and, and getting a result at, at Luton, Burnley, going and beating Arsenal, you know. like, And I'm not just, you know, I'm not saying that to wind anyone up. But, you know, but me personally, my, my own opinion, I mean, I'm, I've been so fortunate to, to have the upbringing that I have, to have grown up watching so many good West Ham sides through the year years. And I'm very fortunate enough and blessed to see my dad playing so many of them. Um, 
But I've always been educated in a way to try and play football. I've seen him play football out from the back. He was a cultured footballer, my father, and 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 he's tried to always teach me to play that 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 style and that way. So I've been brought up uh, around that way, as of a lot of West Ham fans seeing that style, and it, it's very different, you know, to see a Thomas Suchek in the middle of the field, you know, relying on a War Prowse set play um, or a counter attacking movement. You know, when you know we go back and we look at. <laughs> You, you, you know, your Alan Devonshires out wide, you know, your, your Rio Ferdinand's, Joey Coles. Like, I, I, I can go through, like, the, the Paolo De Canios um, and go go through, you know, the players that we've had, the styles that we played. And, and for me personally, you know, Al saw my opinion and, and, and what I thought when I went in at half-time against Panathinaikos. Like, you know, I was, I was in, his, in his box um, and I was with a good friend of mine, actually, uh, Kale, watching the game, and, and we were watching it. And Kale was like, "Where are you going?" Because he doesn't go to a lot of games. I, I said, "I've had enough, mate. I'm going to go in and watch it inside." And he turned around and went, "Oh, well, I said you start there and enjoy the atmosphere, mate. I'm not watching it. I'm going to see if I can catch another game on the TV <laughs> because you know." And, and Al will back me like that. That's what I'm like because I just, I just feel like we've got a good, talented group of players that could play more football than what we're showing, and we could be a little bit braver. And do you know what? I think that especially a lot of the ex-pros and the ex-professionals in and around the football club and other people that have played at West Ham, I think would maybe even prefer to see us finishing lower down the table but playing a more elaborate style. But, you know, David Moyes as a manager has done what he said on the tin and he's he's got a good win percentage and, you know, he's getting results and we're still in Europe and we're still there. But there's only so much time and only so far that goes, you know, and we're starting to see it now with the results. And my prediction will be you'll continue to see that now until the end of the season. You won't see an increase in form. You'll see a decline in form and you'll see us sinking lower in the table and getting knocked out of Europe. But that's me just speaking with realism um, and saying how I think it's going to be. But a real split bunch from West Ham, but me looking at it realistically, Without passion, you know, saying I love the club, you know, it's me just talking realistically that I think we're going to finish around 13th in the division, say 12th, 13th, and we'll be knocked out of Europe. And then it will be down to the board at the end of the season. What way and what direction do you want the football club to go? You've got you've got Bowen, you've got Kudish, you've got Paquetta, you've got Ward Prowse, you've got Calvin Phillips. You've got some decent players here that can play football. What do we do? Do we look for a little change in management? You know, or do we keep it the same for another season? Because I guarantee if you keep it for another season, Kudus, Paqueta and Bowen ain't staying. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. they'll want to play in better sides because Bowen could be brilliant for the likes of yourself with the way that he's played. Kudus won't be short of offers. Paqueta won't be short of offers. And Walt Prowse with the way that he's playing, he won't be short of offers because as a footballer, you want touches of the ball and you want to enjoy your football, whether that's in the Premier League or whether that's in the Combined Counties League. Mm-hmm. Al, what have you heard from, uh, what's the grapevine from your end? Yeah, I mean, Anthony's dead right. You, It's it's a split fan base. Um, uh, it's back to the days of, you know, I, I, always, I always said during the last few years of Arsene Wenger, it was very hard for the sensible fans to get an angle because the sensible fans didn't want to hate him because of what he'd achieved. But they were still saying, we need change. And I know Amanda probably, uh, I think, you know, a lot of the time we agreed exactly on, on all of those opinions during that yeah. time. 
Um, you can't hate him. You can't disrespect him. You can't do anything like that. But you can also respectfully ask for change. Another thing that's similar is that, you know, like you have these debating things at school where they get a kid to say, right, this is your opinion. Go up and speak three minutes on this, right? If you asked any West Ham fan now, you need to do three minutes on why David Moyes should go. They would do a decent three minutes. But if you also said to them, do three minutes on why you should remain, it would be a very decent three minutes. And it's the same as we had with Wenger at the end. The last 10 years of Wenger, if you put me up there, I could have done three minutes either way and mm. I could have convinced you both ways mm. because there's loads of evidence both ways. And that's exactly how the West Ham fans feel at the moment. So when they come out of a defeat, they're despondent because they think they should play a bit better football. If they come out of a win, they say, well, that's the only thing that matters. And then you get that debate between the fans and at the moment it's respectful but he has been he has been talking about a new contract and whether that will be on the table before the end of the season but I fear a bit like Ant that although the start was really good this season and they sort of outperformed their points at a certain stage you know they've been up high they won our place to go I think was it six that night I just get the feeling like Ant that it's really going to just collapse a little bit towards the end of the season and then we'll see whether or not that appetite is there can i just um i'll ask the next question but i have to laugh because as soon We've as you got said questions. yeah hold on hold on hold on wait <laughs> as soon as you said oh, oh, as soon as you said talk of a moyes contract anthony he started rubbing his temples like <laughs> i was purposely not trying to give off any sort of psychology but was that was that too obvious <laughs> right, okay. Let's do a quick fire one. Let's do a quick fire one. Is Anthony a better golfer than Declan? Oh, good question. Um, was better than Declan, but Declan's much better than me now. All right, that's that one done. Uh, Carl says, What does Declan have to improve on? Uh, Alan, you can start that and then we'll go to Anthony. Not much, not much, not much at all. Um, we did have the debate um, earlier in the season, as Amanda said, that um, he's playing in a team and for a manager that like to be on the front foot. And in most of the games that Beck plays for us, we're the favourites, aren't we? The favourites to win. We're not the underdogs. We're the favourites. We're going to have more of the ball. And um, I think he needs to add to those goals. Amanda read out the stats. I want to see him double what he did last season. Double your tallies on both goals and assists. And I think the only reason he's been hindered a little bit in that area, and people have been mentioning it in the chat, is that he's had to cover a little bit of responsibility a little bit further back in the pitch because of the injuries we've had and the absentees we've had. Now, you watch when Jorginho plays, and I think there's an element of debate to be had about Jorginho, but when he plays, he does let a bit of a leash off of that. And I think that that is big for him. And look, if we get the personnel back around him, you'll see him marauding forward and 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 playing with Udegaard rather than playing with the players that are in front of the defence. Yeah. And... Um, I, I'm very biased because I love the boy. Um, <laughs> but I, I think what Declan has to do now um, is not a technical psychological, tactical thing, but it's purely going out to his trophy cabinet and make himself a true great. I think for me, he's got to go and win himself a World Cup, a European Championship, a Premier League, a League Cup, an FA Cup. Um, so when he retires, he's a happy Declan because the, the game that he's got would suit any team in Europe. So 
Um, as I said before, Arsenal are lucky to have him. So I think now, now Arsenal have him. I think you guys need to make the most of it and fill that trophy cabinet to the best of your ability. As not just that, I think the national team do as well. Yeah, love it. Amanda, let's do a quick one to you and not give Ant the uh, opportunity a right of reply on this, this uh, particular question. North London forever or I'm forever blowing bubbles? Amanda? Oh, I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, the blowing bubbles is just so associated with West Ham and it's been for many years. Ours is new and I love our song. No, love it. Um, I won't start. I'm gonna go for an Arsenal related question, so I'll go for Al and um, on this one, um, Jorginho to start on Sunday. They're not all from Carl Stark, by the way, guys. We have other questions. <laughs> <laughs> Look, as, as as I said in my previous answer about uh, Deck and the you know the personnel around him at, at the weekend, Jorginho he scooped Man of the Match awards. Deck's always in the top three, apart from those two West Ham games we mentioned and the Lons away game. I mean, to only have three games where you can pick at him is amazing at this stage of the season. Um, mm. So I'm not getting him because he's been in the top three at all other times. Jorginho's different in that respect because um, I think that 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 Tottenham equaliser really pains me because he he turns backwards when he's got players in front of him and he, he hesitates on the ball. And I just feel he's not a progressive passer against the team that obviously really struggle to get players back playing a high line. And, and we've been done by them in that game because of him. And I don't think his performance against Liverpool forgives that. I think all it does is level it out. Yeah. And I want to see more and I want to see a lot more from him. Um, I wouldn't start him at the weekend for the main reason that we need to be on the front foot. We need to get at this West Ham defence. They're not going to be that threatening at the other end of the pitch. So I think we can afford to to be on the front foot. And I don't think Jorginho is a front foot player for us. The interesting thing, um, I'm not going to get him in trouble here, but Zinchenko was at uh, the conference I was at yesterday. And he's telling people that he's injured and he probably shouldn't if it's not common knowledge. Um, but he, he's saying he's not actually in, in he's not going to be in the side on, on uh, Sunday. Now, for me, that's a big thing because as much as I've criticised him this season, this is exactly the game I would play him in. Yeah. Exactly the game where I'd be saying you don't need to have four across the back. You have your three centre-backs, as Ben White likes to tuck in with Gabriel and Saliba. You have those three centre-backs, and I think that's why that works, and you get him forward. Now, we are going to be left with Kivy or, or, or Tommy. I know Tommy uh, should be back. I don't know if he's going to go straight in. I don't think he will. I don't think he will. I don't think he will be back. So you're looking at Kivior and you are looking at uh, someone that, although he got two assists at the weekend, or one and a half assists at the weekend, um, He's not going to be as progressive. And I think that, that West Ham might attack him. And uh, as Ant said, that left-hand side is going to be huge. So that will be a really interesting battle. Um, I wouldn't play Jorginho for that reason. And I, I I would have hoped Zinchenko would be back. And he's not going to be. So I think we'll have a little bit of a headache there. But we need to be on the front foot. And we should win this game. We owe West Ham one. And I watch them as much as I watch us. And there's no way we shouldn't be beating them no, once I in the season. I agree. 
Yeah. Um, have we got any I, more questions we before do, we, we do a take away? We'll do a couple more. Um, I actually am with you, Al. Um, and one of the questions was about uh, whether, and I've been thinking about this, whether or not you start ESR um, instead of the likes of someone like Havertz. I guess it depends if you've got Gabriel Jesus back as well. Because I just think somebody like um, Emil Smith-Rowe running, ball at his feet, he's already... Um, He's already had a good opportunity uh, to get some uh, minutes under his belt at Nottingham Forest. We're going to play a low block team like Nottingham Forest did. So I just feel like Emil Smith-Rowe could be an opportunity, perhaps instead of Kai. But I guess it depends on what happens with Gabriel Jesus as well. The only reason I would have Havertz in is that it's absolute bread and butter for West Ham to be winning those those balls there. And and that and that is probably why we struggled on on the the twenty eighth of December because the players we had around their centre backs weren't actually affecting them physically, um, and if Havertz is playing in the place of Hazus and playing in that further forward role, you can get him in amongst their two centre backs and actually be winning those balls and having people run off them. Um, you've, you're looking at two quite slow uh, fullbacks either side. Um, as I said, Johnson played in the midfield. He's one of the faster ones, but he played in the midfield at right wing back the other day. Um, so you can really get uh, Emerson and Kufal down those wings. And so, you know, obviously it's going to be key for Martinelli and Saka. And I think that's where our joy is going to come. And I would stick with Havertz here. Yeah. Um, one for uh, Ant, uh, which is an interesting one that came in earlier that might be worth talking about, because you were talking about, obviously, your coaching, uh, you, know, you know, some of uh, Rice's um, nephews. And he actually asked this at the time when you were talking about this, and I just saved it. What can you see in a six to eight year old lad that makes you think they can actually make it do well? It's a good question. It's a good question. I mean, it's um, the earlier years and it's uh, known across the academies that from the ages of six to 12 are such key years because it's like the fundamentals of when you put an infrastructure on a house, for, you know, from the basement up to the roof and, and you build your way up. If you can get the key fundamentals into a child from a young age, technically, socially, psychologically, physically, and, and you can put that infrastructure in, and the child is receptive to that information. They're a good learner. They love the game. They're energetic and they show ability. Then, then they have a chance. So let's take, um, you know, I'm sure Connor won't make, mind me talking about Jackson. Let's take Jackson, for instance, uh, the six-year-old Jackson, left-footed. You know, I wish I could share some of his goals um, with you that, that Connor sent me from the, from the weekend. You know, can strike the ball from 10 yards, 12 yards, 15 yards, confidently off his left side. Shan signs of now going on his right side at the age of six. He's a good mover. Can transfer his weight off both sides. Confident dribbling in 1v1 situations. Extremely energetic without the ball. Um, and socially, unbelievably confident uh, for a young man. Um, so, you know, he, he ticks a, a lot of boxes. So, So moving forward, what could be good for him? Um, you know, tactically playing in different positions, you know, something Declan done, you know, playing defence, playing midfield, play up front to open up his mind to the defensive third, the pitch, middle third, attacking third, the wide areas, the central areas. You know, if, if kids are receptive during this time and, you know, the, the growth is managed right and, and the playtime is managed right, then they're only going to grow. So how do you know? You can see there's a quality, and I say this to, to parents, the children, that they have to be around the right people that, that understand their children, that will allow them to grow, that will allow them and understand them to develop. And, you know, Al's 
as I say, worked with me a lot with Matthew, where, you know, understanding that individual and understanding how they tick and, and how they work is so important. So, you know, the answer to that is you can see signs, you know, an educated eye can see signs of um, a player influencing a game, the way they manipulate the ball, the way they move, uh, the way they can defend. You know, players will have different skill sets and different qualities. And it's about understanding them, maximising them and just, just adding to their skill sets. I hope that answers the, the question. It's quite yes, good. Yes, very good. Yeah. I think we're done, the answer on the questions. Sorry. We are done on the questions. We are done on the show. And even though I could sit listening to Anthony and Alan, actually, tonight, as much as I've uh, I've ridden in the past, <laughs> Alan is a great, <laughs> great guest as well. Um, yes. Listen, what a show. Absolutely brilliant. Anthony, this is your third appearance. You know you're going to be coming back before the end of the season. We will make that happen. Wonderful guest. Thank you so much, honestly. My pleasure. And please send our love from the same old Arsenal podcast, Declan Rice and his family. And if he ever wanted to come on for five minutes, (laughs) five minutes. I it would you should make... be so lucky, Amanda. I, I'm, <laughs> right. I'm actually Amanda going to come to a game. I've been uh, Connor invited me to a game. Um, oh, fantastic! Sean, so I will be. I will be. Uh, I won't be wearing the Arsenal colours, but I will be no. in attendance. Um, and I'm sure I might take my uh, good friend Alan Algo with me as well. So it's. Uh, uh, I won't. I'll, I'll be cheering on Declan that day, not not Arsenal. Good. And maybe I'll come <laughs> and say hello to you. But thank you so much again for coming on. I know you won't be cheering for us. Um, Alan, as ever, thank you very much as well for coming on. That's two podcasts done for you this week. Are I you, know. Uh, it's are you it's been a pleasure. I'm not, I'm not. I've loved this one. I love talking to you guys. And um, you've it's already said it, Amanda, but Anthony, I could talk football with Anthony till the cows come home. Yeah, can you imagine how so. good a coach he is for these yeah, youngsters? Can, only just can you imagine how good he is? Because, I mean, there's certain things that my boy needed to bring out of his game and his personality. I'm talking three sessions, three sessions, totally different, totally different. And that's a goalkeeper, and he doesn't usually coach goalkeepers. So imagine what he's doing for the But you can tell in the way he speaks. And, and Anthony, honestly, so intelligent. I just need saying. So intelligent. Thank you. Absolutely. So um, uh, it's a privilege to know him. It really is. Absolutely. And, really. and it's a privilege, privilege to have him on, isn't it, Chris? Another great Absolutely. show with our Anthony. Yeah. Thank you. Right, Thank you everybody. You. Um, as much as we love you, Anthony, we won't love you at 2.30 on Sunday afternoon. Um, we will all be on the opposite sides. We are actually going to come back as soon as the final whistle's gone, aren't we, Chris, on Sunday? Yeah. Literally, because we all want to watch... We all want to watch Philly United at half past four. So we're going to do a quick 40 minutes of what goes on at the London Stadium. Hopefully, for God's sake, a win. Um, Thank you to everyone in our chat room and your questions and everything. We will see you as soon as the final whistle ends on Sunday afternoon. To everyone on audio, you're going to love this show. I promise you, everybody's going to love this show. Um, Chris, all that is left to say... Are you ready? Yeah, Always go. Arsenal. Always Arsenal. Good night, everyone. Sports Social Podcast Network.